When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the Steelers Fix, brought to you by the Steel Curtain Network, a part of the all-new fans' first sports network podcast platform. We are happy to bring you some more Steelers content. It's Andrew Wilbar. It's Jeremy Betts here with you. Andrew, how you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Excited to talk our annual all-draft teams. Yeah, absolutely. I pass this on to you you know, very heavily this time because I'm still struggling a little bit with my voice. I don't know what's going on, but I just cannot get over this laryngitis or whatever I've got. So we're going to really let you dive into the analysis today. But before we do that, I did want to kind of spotlight a couple things real quick. First off, I mentioned the Steel Curtain Network. Uh, We have several shows going on, not just the Steelers Fix. You've got Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We've got morning shows galore. Um, Cutting Room Floor is the show that precedes ours on Tuesday morning. And then you've got the Scobro Show tonight leading a bevy of evening shows as well, many of them live. So if you need your Steelers fix, don't just get it here on the Steelers fix. Get it from all of us at SCN and BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. We are still your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And, Andrew, it's been Kind of a busy week. We had the schedule release at the end of last week, and then a bunch of Steelers news to start out a brand new week. Let's start with the big surprise, which was the the news that the Steelers are they have Mason Rudolph in the building to sign him back to the roster as one of their quarterbacks in that room. Andrew, is there anything underlying this other than Mason Rudolph just didn't get any interest anywhere and he still wants to play, so he came back to Pittsburgh? I think that, and I think the other thing that I don't want to dig too deep into it, but I wonder if the Steelers feel as if there could be a potential market for Mitch Trubisky, especially if a quarterback ends up getting injured in the preseason. We see something like that happen occasionally. I wonder if the Steelers feel as if they need to. Obviously, they, they always bring in a fourth quarterback uh, right. to compete. So maybe the Steelers will allow Tanner Morgan to compete. I mean, as much as I am not a big Mason Rudolph fan, I would prefer him over Tanner Morgan, just in the evaluations I did on Morgan. But overall, I don't have necessarily a problem. It's going to be extremely cheap. I assume minimum deal at this point. But he's a guy, I felt like there would be another place that he could probably go to that would be a better landing spot for him than here. But He's back with the team. He knows the system. So, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot of risk. He's not a bad locker room guy. So I think overall this is not a bad decision at this point in the process. I agree with you. And I do think that the Steelers could could potentially benefit from keeping their options open at quarterback and having another guy on the roster that is a veteran presence, that has that type of experience in this system really in case 
the offer just becomes too good and you you have to move on from Mitch Trubisky for good business practice. So not the reason they did it, but if if it is a an underlying potential reason, then it's a smart move for Pittsburgh. And I like Mason Rudolph a little bit more than some, but I do think that he had his work cut out for them this offseason to try to really work anywhere else. The Steelers did sign several other players that we got official confirmation of on Monday, uh, running back Alfonso Graham, as well as cornerback Luke Barku of the XFL San Antonio Brahmas. He signed on Monday as well. And then Andrew, another big name, free agency circuit. Steelers are bringing in Quan Alexander for a visit, formerly of the Jets, to maybe fill out a, a spot at inside linebacker that the Steelers might be pretty desperate to to find some help at. What do you think of the news about that, that visit? I think we all thought it was possible they could add somebody else, but I think we all expected after them adding two free agents, they would come through the draft. And we just see Nick Herbig, who they're going to try at edge rusher first. I think the intriguing thing about Alexander is obviously the pedigree and the uh, just knowing it's kind of the same thing as Patrick Peterson. He's not the typical free agent the Steelers bring in, but he's a guy with a lot of experience. The Steelers obviously feel that they've, filled out the roster pretty well enough to compete at least for a playoff spot, maybe anything further, even though it is the AFC and the AFC is loaded. I think this is a move that, you know, it was kind of off the radar to me and it's been a while since I've really looked into Quan Alexander's game. I haven't paid attention to his recent performance, but if the Steelers can get him on a reasonable deal, which I'd expect it to be so at this point in the process, you know, why not bring him in? The Steelers lack depth there. They got to add somebody at some point. Maybe Alexander's the guy that can put them over the top. From what I was reading on Twitter after the news broke that he was coming in for his a visit, saw several Jets fans, Jets uh, personalities, if you will, um, saying things like, oh, no, oh, man, wish he could have come back to the Jets. So that that's always a good sign that your former team and your fans think that you are uh, a good part of, of their, their team and what they were trying to build. So hopefully that's the case. If the Steelers can make it happen, that would be a, a very – Veteran addition, a very good voice in the locker room for that defense, for sure. Andrew, we got a fun topic today. Like you said, our all-NFL draft teams, really your all-NFL draft team, and you've got a couple different methods that you've uh, done to pursue this, and specifically having articles about that coming out on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Uh, so tell us a little bit, though, about the concept here for the all draft team that we'll be talking about today where you're going through uh, an actual starting roster offense, defense, 11 players on each side. Right. So the first one, that article you can check out came out on Monday and behind the steel curtain.com. That's the original one that was created back in 2017, just kind of highlighting my favorite picks or fits in each round. I choose a starter and then I choose some bench players. It's not really forming an actual team, but it's just my typical way. It's, you know, it's a wheelbar special. Okay. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but you know, just go along with it. May You may not enjoy it, but that's just a fun exercise I do every year. One that some of our fans at BTSC wanted done a c- couple years ago was actually forming a roster, a starting roster, starting 22, 11 on offense, 11 on defense, just based on the uh, trying to fit in, let's say, three players per round. I believe that was kind of what 
the original thought was, and we just kind of continued with that. I made a few tweaks to the rules. So this year we're going to allow it from now on. You can have more than one, you can have more than three players in a round in a lower numbered round, but you can't use that as an opportunity to have an extra round. So let's say you can't add a fourth first round pick and have only two second round picks and say two third round picks or whatever. So you you can't sacrifice a lower round pick for a higher round pick, but you can sacrifice a lower round pick if there's a fit or player you just like better. This year I have, I believe, four seventh round picks in this team and only one sixth round pick. And I have an extra undrafted free agent as well, just because that filled out my roster, the players I liked. It's just how it fit in. So everyone can fill out their own team. It's something that anyone can do. But McShay has his all satellite team and Kuiper has his draft grades and way too early big board. So this is just another exercise as we are kind of filling the gaps between the end of the draft process and previewing 2024. Fantastic. And it was good work too. I got a chance to read the original one that you, that you put out. That was kind of a, a mock-up of the original one you did back in 2017. So let's dive into this one that should be coming out later this week. Correct. Correct. Okay. So yeah, let's dive right into it. Starting at on the offensive side of the ball, Right at the top, you've got a maybe a surprise quarterback in here for some. Andrew, tell us who you chose at quarterback, what round he was in, and why you selected him. Well, one of the one of the rules about this is that in the first round, you can't select players that were consensus top five, ten, top ten picks. You will see the number ten pick, Darnell Wright, later on at right tackle, but he was not a projected top ten pick, and he was right at number ten. So I used him, but that eliminated the top three quarterbacks that all went in the top five because they were projected to go that high. We knew they were going to go high. So instead of going the Will Levis route in the second round, I waited until the fourth round, spent one of my fourth round picks that I have to fill it with Aiden O'Connell, quarterback from Las Vegas. We know Jimmy Garoppolo has some injury concerns. It would not shock me if we see Aiden O'Connell playing sooner than what many people expect. And, uh, you know, we talked about him previous to the draft about how poised of a passer he is. You know, he's not the most athletic guy, but he can sling it. And I think this is a guy who has a chance. If he gets an opportunity, he's never going to be an elite quarterback, but I think he has a chance to be a starter in this league for a long time. And Purdue, they've had a decent line of quarterbacks come out. So it will be interesting to see if he can be that next guy. He's coming from an offense that threw the ball a lot. We'll see if in an offense where they can be a little bit more run-centric with some yeah. running backs, Josh Jacobs, Amir White, maybe that will take a little bit of pressure off him and get those interception numbers down a good bit. Do you feel – do you get Bailey Zappy vibes from Aiden O'Connell a little bit? as far as the type of player he is a little bit he's a little bit different body type but i think from the perspective of you know poise inside the pocket precision in between the numbers as a passer i think you're getting a yeah relatively similar guy and you know i I know mac jones is coming back but there's no guarantee i think he's on a relatively short lease it wouldn't shock me at some point if he struggles that we see bailey zappy yeah and i was gonna say you know you still get that value because if, if you're seeing a, a similar player to Zappi, Zappi put together some a couple good starts in relief of Mac Jones last year for an offense that was terrible, historically bad. So yes, a lot of upside there. Uh, let's let's go to the running back position where you selected a seventh rounder in Lou Nichols the third, who you've been really high on Central Michigan, I believe, right? Yes. Tell us about your selection there. Well, I really wanted to fit in Chase Brown or Izzy Abanaconda here because I've said before I love them in the fifth round, but I really had no fifth-round picks left. There were other guys I needed to fill other positions just because, you know, lack of supply. 
So I I used my fifth round picks and I didn't want to sacrifice a fourth because I already had my fourths. So the next option was to use a seventh. So I used it on Lou Nichols, who I think has a chance to be a starting running back in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I feel that AJ Dillon could be in danger of losing his job, even though he's been solid. Uh, I wouldn't shock me if there's a team that has interest in him at the trade deadline. Don't be surprised if Green Bay is willing to move on because this guy is great in short yarded situations. He can do a little bit of everything. He has soft hands as a receiver. He doesn't have any breakaway speed, but he's fast enough. I mean, he, he my comp for him was Le'Veon Bell coming out of college. Bell was a bigger back before he dropped weight in Pittsburgh. And even Le'Veon Bell, I mean, he was a 4-6 guy. He didn't have breakaway speed necessarily. I think Nichols right. can be that similar type of back guy who's got patience through the hole, enough acceleration to get through before it closes, and he's got a good blend of power as well in, in short yard situations. I like it, and especially when you're talking value at the running back position, you can find value so much deeper in these drafts than some of the other positions that you'll will run into here that you spent some higher draft capital on. Let's move to the wide receiver room. Uh, you selected two wide receivers, a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two, and those players are Andre Yoshivas, who was selected by the, the Bengals, correct, in the sixth yeah. round, and then Bryce Ford Wheaton, who went undrafted and – you know, I think probably one of the bigger surprises to you of the whole draft was that this guy wasn't selected out of out of West Virginia. But tell us about your wide receiver room here and why you selected these guys. Yeah, this was totally about value. There were other receivers. I had thought about playing in JSN, your guy, for a while, but I yeah. just had used my first-round picks. I just didn't feel it was worth the value. Yoshivas, my concern with this team is that my two receivers – I'm only doing two receiver sets. I have two tight ends this year, so it's – the issue is that both these receivers are really raw. Neither of them sure. are great route runners, and they're both great athletes, though, with a lot of upside. There were other guys I could have gone with. I thought about Charlie Jones using the I don't I believe he went late fourth. Uh, I thought about using that as kind of get a slot guy in there, but I'll just be using one of my tight ends out in the slot. These guys will play outside, be able to stretch the field vertically, and I'm, I'm just going to pretty much go basketball style this year. I got there a basketball go. team on the you know got six three Eo Shivas, and then. Six foot four, Bryce Ford Wheaton, who is an absolute monster on contested catches and deep balls. Teams are going to have a difficult time getting in between, getting inside passing lanes on these guys. Absolutely. Another receiver I think you you could have considered maybe was Parker Washington in yeah. the sixth round as well. I'm sure he crossed your mind, mm -hmm. but he kind of gives you a little bit something you don't have with some of that shiftier play, but still a physical player. Um, somebody. I'm sure, like I said, was on your board, but I would have considered there as well. Let's move on to the tight ends, though. This tight end class, Andrew, on paper was historically good. So that stacks up here because you got two guys who are just absolutely incredible athletes and one who could be just playing special after the catch specifically and another one of these massive move tight ends that can stay in line and block as well. Um, you talked about, uh, Sam Laporta and Zach Koontz. Koontz, you mentioned at the combine, mentioned that he felt like his biggest struggle would be able to lower the pad level, get under blocks. Uh, but we're seeing, you know, Darnell Washington, a guy the Steelers selected, as a guy who uh, is a, of similar mold, that really big tight end um, that can actually get that pad level down and 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 move players uh, in the in the blocking game. So Zach Koontz can definitely learn that. Why did you pick maybe these two tight ends instead of maybe going with a Darnell Washington, who was fantastic value in the third round? I thought so much about Washington. And for a while I had a third rounder available when I'm going through this, 
But it came to the point where a linebacker was just a bigger need. I had a difficult time figuring out the alignment. Last year, I did a typical 3-4 on defense, and I had three receiver set, one tight end. But this year, I like I thought about Michael Mayer as well if I was going to use a second-round pick. I mean, I had a higher grade on him than Laporta. But ultimately, I think Laporta has higher upside. And I was looking at Detroit, and I'm like, he, most definitely they're going to go with Michael Mayer on the board. You know, he's the more physical right. tight end in line. You know, he's more the Dan Campbell type and of course Campbell is very familiar with the tight end position and then he goes with Laporta and that kind of took a lot of people for a loop but then you look at oh this guy's really physical after the catch he may not be the best inline blocker yet but he is physical and he's he has effort as a blocker which I appreciate he's just not there yet and I think he can get there at that point especially with a guy with Campbell's pedigree and the experience he's had with tight ends I think that he can learn that. And athletically, you're looking at a guy who's not far off the level of a George Kittle. So he's a little bit on the shorter end for tight ends. But again, we were talking about this before. If he was two inches taller, I think he goes in the first round by far. Right. He's got everything else. It's physical after the catch. And I think with a guy like Koontz, who's my other tight end, who I can put out in the slot a lot. I mean, I have a six foot eight tight end. I don't have to have the other guy an absolute monster, especially when you have a guy with a physicality and and agility of Laporta in the open field. He kind of makes up for my lack of agility at wide receiver. There you have it. That's a a fun skill position set there. Let's jump though into the offensive line and we'll kind of group these guys all together so we can head into our break and then get to the defensive side of the ball. But Andrew, you've got two fourth round picks, a seventh round pick, a fifth round pick, and our first first round pick of the process here on, along the offensive line, Blake Freeland at left tackle, Andrew Voorhees, absolutely absolute steal by the Ravens in round seven. So you're looking at fantastic value there. Uh, Olu Oluwatimi out of your Michigan Wolverines lands as your center out of in round five, and then at right guard you got Jake Andrews who can also play center if you needed him to. And then your first-round pick, Darnell Wright, you already mentioned him. Tell us why you settled on these five guys to be your all-draft offensive lineman. Yeah, Freeland was just upside. I couldn't really go Paris Johnson at left tackle. I thought long and hard about Broderick Jones, but ultimately I had a slightly higher grade on Wright overall. I like. Don't get me wrong, I like Broderick Jones for the Steelers specifically uh, because we needed a left tackle. But I do think overall Darnell Wright, he was my top tackle in this draft. So I used him since he wasn't a consensus top 10 pick. Anyways, I used him at right tackle Freeland. It's upside. I don't think he's going to be great right away, but in the right system, I think he landed in a pretty good spot, a spot that I kind of projected him to go in a couple mock drafts. I think that's a good landing spot for him. As long as they don't force him to start immediately, he just has a lot of technical issues, but then Voorhees, you already mentioned it. Absolute steal in the seventh round. I think he's a starter year two with Baltimore by far. And Oluwatimi, he didn't test well, but Look on that tape. I mean, look at what he did in that Ohio State game to spring those runs by Donovan Edwards. I mean, this guy just pushes people off the ball, and he's got pretty good footwork as a pass protector as well. He didn't give up much at all, was definitely, in my opinion, the best center in the college football this past season. Uh, And that's saying a lot because there was some pretty good competition, Cedric Von Prahn and some other really good centers who I – I mean, I'm even higher on Von Prahn next year, but – Jake Andrews, I thought about him long and hard at center, but I needed another guard, and I know he can play guard. I prefer him at center, but to fit him in in this exercise, I put him in at right guard, and then, like you mentioned, Darnell Wright. I feel like I got a stud guy who's going to make a lot of Pro Bowls at right yeah. tackle. Yeah, I like this offensive line. I really do. Um, the way Oluwatimi just anchored and 
and moved guys in the run game specifically this last year at Michigan was very impressive, and that's coming from an Ohio State fan here. So uh, very, very intriguing group of guys here. And we'll talk about at the end, Andrew, but interested to see your take on on just how good this offense could be potentially at, at the NFL level. But before we get into that and into the defensive side of the ball, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's more of Andrew's All-NFL Draft Team from 2023. Don't go anywhere. The Steelers Fix will be right back. talking all NFL draft team from 2023 Andrew Wilbar doing the work and selecting his favorite selections uh, from each round uh, to build an a 22-man roster here 11 guys on offense 11 guys on defense we did the offense on the first side of the show so if for some reason you're jumping in in the second half of this show go back and listen to the first half and don't forget to 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 go back and do that. But Andrew, let's, let's talk defense here and uh, tell us the alignment you went with as far as the, the scheme that you're going with. So you could select the players that you did and then go ahead and talk about uh, a couple of the uh, defensive linemen that you selected in this class. Yeah. I wanted to make a mark on the defense line. This was so difficult for alignment. I ended up going with a three, three, five alignment. So I've got three down linemen, three linebackers and five DBs. So this is going to be more Mm -hmm. of a nickel package here that I'm going with. I just felt this was the best value overall. And the defensive sure. line was the hardest part, just trying to find guys that fit the roles. And I'm a little bit unsure of one of these, but I'll tell you, Jervon Dexter, absolutely love him as a five technique in the NFL. I think he's Chris Jones 2.0. And when you Ooh. look at Mozzie Smith, I, I mean, I talked about him through the process as a guy who would have been a great fit for the Steelers. Put him in the middle. He can be a two-gap defender. He's going to allow this nickel package to be able to defend the run pretty well. It's going to force them to run in between the guards and tackles because you will not be able to run it up the middle with Mozzie Smith playing the nose. And that left defensive end, added to Tommy Will Adabare in the fourth round. Jeremy, I yeah. know you and I both loved this pick. I think in an ideal scenario, he's a 4-3 end. But sure. I, in this scenario, some people are projecting him inside. He doesn't have the length to necessarily be a 5-tech, but if we're kind of going to create an odd front here. It is going to expose one. It is going to expose my Sam linebacker, my my – in this case, he's going to kind of be my hybrid guy. It's going to expose him, but I'm almost going to play him as almost a seven type, maybe even as a six, and just play him straight over the tackle and just allow him to just bull rush with speed and power. And that's what Adabari does well. So this is my defensive line. It's not going to be a typical alignment up front, right. but Dexter is a, your typical five tech. Mozzie is the nose, the zero one. And then Adabari, you're going to have a little bit of extra gap there, but I'm going to kind of have him just roll out as more of that 4-3 end, it will expose the linebacker, but I think that's the best value that I could have gotten out of a defensive line. I would love to have this defensive line. The Fantastic group, I would say, very much so. And you spent a second rounder in Dexter Lawrence, or in Dexter Lawrence, Jervon <laughs> Dexter, a first rounder in Mozzie Smith, and a fourth rounder in Atabare. So, you know, some higher picks there, but we've seen it. When you when you're just talking success at the NFL level too, investing these high picks in your defensive line and up front on defense 
really it, it separates some of the best teams from even the mediocre. Even when you look at specifically the NFC side last year, Philadelphia, San Francisco, the two NFC championship teams. I mean, the defense totally built up front, spending high draft capital on the guys up front. You did the same here. And I love Adebare in the fourth round uh, for the Colts. I think he's going to be fantastic for them. Uh, what a draft they had. But then just talking about your your value here as well, that's really, really good stuff. So let's talk about uh, the linebacker core here. You spent a, your third and final first-round pick on one of these guys in Nolan Smith and then uh, reached back into the third round for for linebacker Dorian Williams out of Tulane. And then as kind of your hybrid linebacker, you've got uh, Yasir Abdullah in the fifth round. So tell us about these three guys and why you chose them to lead your off-ball core here. Yeah, Nolan Smith's going to be my rush guy. I'm going to have him aligned out. I know that he can drop into coverage. That's why I think he's great for nickel packages. But I'm going to have him playing on the same side as Dexter. So the kind of the right side, my strong side is that's going to be facing the left side of the offensive line is kind of going to be a typical 3-4 alignment because you have a nose in the middle, you have a 5-tech, and now you have an outside linebacker It to an extent, a guy who can drop back depending on how the offenses are aligned, how many receivers they have out there. I may need him to go drop out. But he's going to be my rush linebacker. And then my Mike, my guy in the middle, this is where it kind of becomes a 4-3. I've got Dorian Williams. He's going to be man that middle of the field. He's going to be asked to do a lot of the work uh, behind Lawrence and Mozzie. Anything that they don't get on that side, he's going to be the one kind of there. He's going to be in the middle, but a guy who's going to be asked to do a lot. And the one guy I'm kind of leaving exposed for one of the offensive line to potentially get to the second level is uh, Yasir Abdullah, who I used a fifth-round pick yeah. on. I really like the value. I love his versatility, especially for a nickel package like this, because he can play on the edge. I think he projects best as an off-ball linebacker. He can defend the run. He has the size. I felt he would have been a great yeah. pick for what the Steelers needed. A guy with yes, that has size, a guy that has the speed, a guy you can tackle. I think he's going to be a great player in the NFL. I think Jacksonville got a steal here. But he's going to be kind of my Sam slash hybrid rush guy. He's going to do a little bit of everything. But in that kind of three three five alignment, He's making it a little bit more exposed, but that's why I have Williams in the middle. He can kind of man both sides. Mozzie and Dexter will cover a lot of that side, but he's going to have to roam that middle of the field and make sure that he can secure those yeah. tackles at the second level. Anything that gets the second level, that's on Dorian Williams. But Yasir Abdullah is a guy who I think is going to do a really good job in run defense and a guy who I can pretty much ask to do anything. This is a very versatile unit. Let me ask you this, Andrew. Uh, these three guys, would you take – this unit over the unit the Steelers are about to roll out in 2023. At linebacker? Yeah, linebacker, yep. Outside of TJ Watt, I would say yes. I would take the I would take either Dorian Williams. I would take Dorian Williams and Yasir Abdullah, that combination sure. over Cole Holcomb and Landon Roberts. I know that's taking away okay. experience, but I think uh I am concerned with their inability to cover. And I think Dorian Williams yeah. can cover. And I think Yasir Abdullah, he can do a little bit of everything. And I don't think that would necessarily cause the Steelers to suffer in terms of run defense, especially with the addition of Keanu Benton up front. You mentioned uh, in the lead up to the draft that the Steelers feel pretty comfortable that they're going to be able to re-sign Alex Highsmith before or to an extension before he were to run out of his contract, basically. So it really feels like they played their cards that way because – Unless they're pegging Nick Herbig to be their second edge rusher in 2024, 
And uh, after Highsmith moves on, um, you know, that that's probably going to be a huge need for them if they can't secure Highsmith moving forward. And uh, I would have really in, enjoyed seeing Nolan Smith kind of be the, the third rusher in grooming there. And, you know, he's a different style player. He's more of a speed guy. He could have found a position on the, at off ball, I believe in year one, two, just kind of being a, a flex hybrid guy uh, on the defense at linebacker. So the Steelers obviously playing the, their chips a certain way. Hopefully it works out for them, but still, like you said, I like Williams and Abdullah over the guys, the two guys, the Steelers have, and I, I would have taken Nolan Smith over Herbig as well. Obviously, most teams would have because of the the grade system there, but you landed a really good off-ball set here, guys that can do a lot of different things. Let's get to the first Steeler, Andrew, that made this list, jumping into the secondary. Let's talk about your two or your three cornerbacks that you selected here. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. with a second-round pick. Darius Rush, one of my favorite prospects, with a fifth-round pick. And then at nickel, you've got Stephen Gilmore, an undrafted free agent, so dipping into the UDFA pool Again, talk about these three guys. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of these sixth-round corners, sixth- and seventh-round guys necessarily. There was one that I'll get to in a second, but not playing corner. Stephen Gilmore, I had to add in the nickel. I think he's the perfect guy for this unit. He's not necessarily the most physical guy, but he's feisty in coverage. Yeah. He will fight, and obviously he has the bloodlines, which the Steelers would absolutely love, and I think that's right. going to him well in the NFL. He has incredible ball skills. He's a great man corner. I, he's not the greatest with his eyes on the quarterback. I think that's something he's going to have to grow into. But a guy who's going to be playing in the slot almost entirely, I think he would have been a great pickup for the Steelers. I think the Detroit Lions, they're the team that picked him up. I think they got themselves potentially their future starter at nickel corner. This guy's a really good player. But Joey Porter Jr. is a no-brainer, obviously, not just because of the Steelers' connection, but this was a guy was number five overall on our BTSC big board. Absolutely yeah. loved him. Getting him in the second round was one of the best value picks in the entire draft outside of maybe Atabara. And even then we could, we could debate if Joey Porter juniors, you know, he's right up there. And, yeah. you know, a guy that almost Absolutely. everyone thought would go in the first round falls to the second Steelers happen to get him in just the perfect scenario. And then Darius rush your guy fifth round. Yeah. Nobody saw him falling that far. I don't know if teams within the NFL just, thought that his assignments were so much easier having Cam Smith there and they just weren't sure, you know, is this too good to be true? I think this guy's got a chance to be just as good, maybe even better than Cam Smith. I, I had a higher grade on Cam Smith, but this guy's got more upside long-term, I would say. I agree. And you've got two guys here in Porter Jr. and Darius Rush who are long, rangy, physical corners. And, you know, I mean, a lot of people including myself saying if the Steelers did pass on corner in the first second round range that maybe Darius Rush could be a guy that they would target maybe around pick 80 which they eventually traded out of to land Darnell Washington later on in the third round but yeah uh, this is a fantastic group of corners I would say and you're looking at three guys who could have significant starting roles for their teams sooner rather than later uh, especially when you talk about Stephen Gilmore who fits that nickel spot so well and it I mean you almost don't take your nickel cornerback off the field anymore with the mm -hmm. passing offenses we see in the league today so really good selections there let's talk about the safety room because man I, I thought for sure uh you would have well 
we'll get there in a second. We'll get there in a second. Um, because I think maybe um, we're talking about a cornerback that the Steelers selected at corner, but you've got to move into safety here in, in this alignment. And then you've also got one of your favorite players in the entire draft that you uh, slid into the strong safety role here. Tell us about your safeties. Yeah, I, I did not like any of the free safeties in this class. And I thought highly, I mean, everyone, if you've listened to Stewart's Fix, you know that Sidney Brown is going to be on this team. So I, yeah. I put him in it strong. I thought about, because he has the versatility to do it, I thought about moving him to free safety and then using a six on JL Skinner and moving JL Skinner into the strong safety role. I thought long and hard about that. But in the end, I've had another stealer on here, Corey Trice. I think he has the versatility to play free safety. We talked about yeah. how he has the length. He has the athleticism. I do, I'm not saying he's doomed at corner or anything like that. I think the Steelers definitely should try him out, and I think he has the starting potential there. But if things don't work out, you can move him to safety. He has the physicality, the size. He's got everything you need. We'll see right. how good he is instinctually once he gets acclimated into the system and then gets a little bit more familiar with the assignments that Terrell Austin has for him. But I think when you're looking at terms of upside, I think you're looking at a guy who you can just kind of put him wherever you want. I think this puts Trey Norwood's role – in, in uh, flux, I think, especially sure. with the addition of Cheenan Sullivan, you know, what do yeah. you do with him at this point? You have a guy who can play, play free. I mean, who are they going to cut? You brought in Keanu Neal, you have KZ, and you still have Miles Killebrew, who's your special teams ace. So someone's yeah. going to end up getting cut. It wouldn't shock me if it's Norwood, but we'll see what happens. But Trice, I think he makes so much sense. And like you mentioned, Sidney Brown, I don't want to yeah. say this guy's Troy Jr., but man. He looks like Troy Jr. I absolutely love this guy. The Eagles got a steal in the third round. I would have, it would have been interesting to see who the Steelers would have taken if he was available yeah. with Darnell Washington still on the board because either of them would have been excellent picks. Could you imagine Sidney Brown playing next to Minka? Those two flying yeah. around the field in the back. Oh, man, that, that was a fever dream for you, I'm sure. Didn't end up coming true, but yeah, that, that would have been absolutely crazy. And the Steelers could have used help at safety, as we all know. Uh, the Steelers are going to have some some things to address in 2024. No matter how this team this year plays out, how however the scheme works out for the secondary, they're going to have some things to to figure out. Corey Trice, Joey Porter Jr. definitely going to be major pieces in that puzzle. But Andrew, that wraps it up for your your all NFL draft team, your all 22 team, if you will. Um, 22 players 11 on offense 11 on defense do you have a position group of the ones that we've looked at here that you like best just before we go i would probably it's corner between it's going to be between corner and defensive line yeah. i spent the most capital on defensive line and i like the way that my linebackers have the versatility but i'm probably going to go with the corners just because I think these guys play well together. You've got the two long guys on the outside. You have the small guy on the inside. All these guys are great athletes, 4-4 athletes uh, that can do it all, that can are pretty scheme versatile. I think that I think this would be a man-oriented scheme with these guys, yeah. but it's not that you cannot play off ball, play a little bit further off and more of a bend but don't break. Uh, once you're leading in games and playing a little bit more conservative, I think this – I love the defense. The offense doesn't look greatest on paper, but when you look at the offensive line and the way that these guys would be able to run block with Lou Nichols at running back, a guy who can pound it, you have two tight ends, one of which can block. The other one, both of them are going to be huge weapons in the passing game. You got a basketball team. The only thing yeah. this team lacks is really a good 
underneath wide receiver that can run routes and do the finesse work. What's this team's record, Andrew, in 2023? 17 and 0, of course. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're running the table, Super Bowl. In the champions. XFL. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, good stuff as always. Thanks for joining us here on the Steelers Fix. We're going to be back next week. I don't know what we'll be doing yet. Just stay tuned. We'll keep you updated. But Andrew and I both have uh, items coming up on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com on the website. Obviously, you'll see this come out uh, in more detail on the website in article form. Andrew's all NFL draft team. And then I'm working on some things as well that you'll see there. We're staying busy. It's about to hit the doldrums of the offseason, Andrew. Uh, we have just about as many weeks before the kickoff of the regular season as there are weeks in the regular season. So don't let that depress you too much. Steelers nation football's just around the corner. It'll go by fast. Training camp will be here before you know it. Stay tuned to behind the steel curtain.com and the steel curtain network and the fans for sports network for all of your Steelers, all of your sports needs for Andrew Wilbar. I'm Jeremy Betts. We'll talk to you next time.